Merkel Media. You think that I'm running in place? Y'all really testing my patience. Right before I blow up the spot, I had to get back to the basics. What if my talent is wasted? You see what I'm lacking to place me? Since I rap in the basement But my come up is legend, is greatness I don't care now, it's pedal to the metal I can never quit now, I will never settle Puppet to the game, I'm pulling strings like Geppetto We in the same game, but I'm on a different level I passed it, gotta keep grinding till I'm laid up in the casket No fake round, but you feeling too plastic Yeah, y'all feeling too plastic They say my style crazy, but then it's straight jacket Whoa. Why you still testing my patience? Trying to turn me into something I ain't trying to be All the haters in heavy rotation You gon' lose yourself, quit testing me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Cause I'm looking like Wesley, test me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Running back nation, what is good? It is your boy DJ Eastwood. Running back Philly. No frauds, no fanboys, and absolutely never, ever, 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 ever any intros. I've been a fraud for a week. I've been skipping Sixers games. I skipped the Eagles game. I've been down, man. Uh, just to be in a busy week, the uh, Thanksgiving Eve, Thanksgiving Day. I DJ Thursday. I DJ Wednesday. I DJ Saturday night. I worked Friday all day, Saturday all day. It was just listen. Sunday, I was down. I missed Wednesday's game. I missed Friday's game, and then I just last night I watched the Eagles game after the Sixers game. And was halfway asleep by halftime. So I'm glad to be back. My dog is whining. Hold on a second. Yeah. I love when people come home right when I go live. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, I'm back, man. It's good to be back. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I don't even remember how to do this, man. I feel a little rusty right now. But... Uh, before I get into the Sixers stuff, these are on podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, every other podcast platform you can think of. If you want to listen to these while you mow the grass, while you drive to work, while, uh, if you want to put in the headphones instead of listening to your wife, whatever you want to do, you can listen to Joel Embiid uh, blocking John Collins and punking him out of bounds, narrated by your boy DJ Eastwood. Um, click all my links. Check out the merch. Become a member. Subscribe to the channel. Yeah, that's it. Let's get down to business, man. Shout out to everyone in here. Thanks for being here once again. 154 people in here. I appreciate each and every one of you. I'm sorry for my hiatus. Just felt a little bit burned out. I was tired as hell last week, and I didn't feel like doing anything. And I didn't do anything, and it felt great, and I feel amazing right now. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Atlanta Hawks. 104 to 101 on the shoulders of, yes, Joel Hans Embiid. Joel Embiid, after suffering a mild foot strain 
from minivan George Niang rolling up on his ankle a couple weeks ago. He missed, what, four games? Um, Who would have put money on Joel Embiid coming back from injury before Tyrese Maxey and James Harden? But he's been... Thank you. Another interruption. Where was I? Who would have put money on Joel Embiid coming back from injury before James Harden and Tyrese Maxey? But he did it. He came back. And uh, he started the game rusty. Very rusty. One for six, I think he was, in the first quarter. Um, And it wasn't looking good for us. And we didn't care because we were like, Joel Embiid's been out for a hot minute, man. You know, we get get your wheels back, man. Get your get 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 the oil back flowing through your engine. You know what I mean? So it was all good. He was putting up jumpers, kind of jogging around. Wasn't really, didn't really appear to be going too hard. Uh, and he just kind of didn't look right at the same time, you know? And then, and then he went back to the locker room in the first quarter, or maybe in the second quarter, but he went back to the locker room in the first half. And I was like, damn, we had Joel Embiid back. He didn't look a hundred percent. And I didn't like the, I, I didn't like the idea, I guess, of Joel Embiid playing injured and the fact that he didn't look a hundred percent when he, when he, when he was started this game, I was th- when he went back to the locker room. Then I was like, "All right, just keep him out for the rest of the game. If he's not ready to come back, don't bring him back." But something happened between then and the in the second half because he looked like a totally different player when he came back in the second time. I think he went in the locker room and they injected his foot with the same stuff they injected t- uh, uh, Tobias Harris with the other night when he rolled his ankle, went out of the game. And then came back in the game and looked a little more energized? I don't know. Something happened. But Joel came back and looked more uh, like his MVP self after going out with the, with the foot in, in the first half. And, and so uh, a, tale of, a tale of two energies. Um, but he came back and uh, look. There's a couple of things that I feel like Doc Rivers did to try to lose this game. But Joel Embiid got back to MVP form pretty quickly. He started the game, like I said, one for six. And he scored the 76ers' last 11 points to carry them to victory. Um, The two ways that I feel like Doc Rivers tried to lose this game. And look, I don't like to do this after every game. I don't. Do I feel like Doc Rivers deserves some credit for this team playing like this without their stars? Yes, I do. I think Doc is a is is a players kind of guy. Players like him. Players that he gives minutes to likes him. I think his in game decisions are are always terrible for the most part. I I never like question whether Doc Rivers is a team guy or a team motivator or whatever else. I just think he's very bad at rotations, and I think he just always plays the older player over the younger player. And I looked at the the, the the Atlanta Hawks roster before this game, and I looked at the average age on that roster, and there's two players that play big minutes for the Atlanta Hawks and contribute well, and they are 19 years old and 21 years old. I just, you wouldn't see Doc Rivers do that. Anyway, here's what happened, and I thought the Sixers were going to lose this game because of that decision, 
and they won the game because of Joel Embiid. The Sixers were down 16 points in the second quarter. Uh, Matisse Thibel then came in the game. Trey Young then started giving up the ball well outside the three-point line because he can't do anything with Matisse Thibel on him. This is why Matisse Thibel is so valuable if you can at least get a decent something from him on the offensive side of the ball. His defense is so good. His perimeter defense is so good. He impacts the game so well. He makes a ball handler like Trey Young, like DeJounte Murray's jobs so difficult, he completely changes the energy of the game. Doc put him in. We were down 16 points. We immediately went on a 6-0 run, finished the half on a 15-4 run, and we're down by four points at halftime. Off the top of my head, if I'm off by a point or two, forgive me. And then I tweeted and I, I said, prediction. Going, going into the fourth quarter, because Matisse played a lot, the end of the third also, into the fourth, was still making plays. Uh, you know, had a left-handed drive, left-handed finger roll finish in the lane, and I almost, I almost passed out because I couldn't believe he added that to his game or even pulled that off. Uh, just last year, you would never want Matisse Thibel to be dribbling a basketball. But anyway, I, I tweeted and I said, prediction. Matisse is going to come out right when Trey Young comes in, and we're going to lose this game. Doc pulled Matisse out. Trey Young came back in the game, and I thought, here we go. And Trey started getting in the lane, in the lane at will. I think the Anthony Melton's a good defender but he still gets in the lane at will around pick and rolls. And it just seems like Matisse Thibel can definitely defend that on the perimeter a lot better. Shake Milton, Trey Young can just blow right by 24-7. So he started getting in the lane at will again, started throwing alley-oops, started hitting floaters, and I said, here we go. My prediction is going to stand. But Joel Embiid said, nah, I got this. Which, by the way, they then made a substitution and, and George Nian came in the game, which... I just think Doc needs to focus a little more on defense sometimes. That's all I'm saying, sometimes. We played the Atlanta Hawks a couple of weeks ago, two times in three days. The first game, we got smacked by them. Matisse Thibel had eight minutes. The second game, we won by 19. Matisse Thibel had 30, 29 minutes. That's all I'm saying. I didn't like, I didn't like the Trey Young, Matisse Thibel not having him out there when Trey was out there, and I thought that we were going to lose the game because that Joel Embiid saved the game. Joel Embiid came in, what, with uh, four minutes left in the, five minutes left in the game, scored eight straight points, uh, drop step on Capella. Uh, then he guards Trey Young the next possession. When I said Trey was getting in the lane at will, Joel steps up. And Joel is getting very good at this pick and roll defense. I still think he drops a little too far, but I think he's getting very good at baiting the guy with the ball. And he did that on the very last play also that I'm going to talk about. I think he's getting very good at baiting the guy with the ball. I think he's getting very good at following the center rolling, not stepping up too far so Trey can easily throw a no-look alley-oop because he's one of the best in the, in the world at dropping dimes like that. You step up just too far, he's going to throw that thing to Clint Capello, John Collins, you know the drill. I think Joel's getting very good at playing that middle ground in the pick-and-roll defense. And I saw a couple possessions where Trey didn't exactly know what to do because Joel was kind of balancing that line of dropping back on the center or stepping up on the ball. 
Then we're down one. Uh, that 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 play that I'm talking about that he defended Trey in the pick and roll, it, he ended up giving it to Collins with the shot clock running down, and he didn't know what to do with it because it's John Collins, and, and they he, he passed it at somebody's feet with the shot clock running down, shot clock violation. So Joel forced that turnover, came down the floor, down one, got the ball one-on-one on Capella again, and I said, this is, bu- this is money. He's not missing this. Joel Embiid, when he's feeling it like that and he gets you within one point and you kind of feel and know that the only reason you're within one point is because of Joel Embiid, he's not missing that shot. And he hits the jumper and put the Sixers up by one. The Hawks come back down the floor. Trey has the ball. Game on the line. Tries to sneak an alley-oop to Capella or Collins. I can't remember who's back there. But tries to sneak one past the guy who just got the Sixers in this position. Who just dominated the game offensively and defensively for the entire second half of the fourth quarter. Trey tries to sneak an alley-oop past him. And guess who? Joel Embiid. Tips the pass, intercepts it, gets the ball, gets fouled, goes to the free throw line. Scores the last 11 points for the Sixers. And my camera died. An error prevented shooting. That's a new one. Uh, Here we go. Hopefully this fixes it. An error prevented shooting. Mind telling me what error that was? Eastwood comes back on Rusty, just like Joel and B. Listen, I'm going to start out Rusty like Joel did. Hopefully, I get my game together right around the fourth quarter like Joel did. Uh, yeah, so there you have it. That's how Joel and B won the game for the 76ers, man. That's how he won the game for him. Now, look, I didn't get to talk about this team for a while. Um... Shake Milton's been absolutely balling out, and uh, Tobias Harris has been balling out. And uh, it, the biggest question is, you know, what's this going to look like when the starters come back? I thought Shake was huge in this game, especially in in, in certain instances. Uh, Shake Milton gives you twenty one points, nine for twenty from the field. I think twenty shot attempts for Shake Milton really stands out to me when you look at the box score. Because that's confidence to me. I always look at shot attempts as confidence. You know, that's confidence to me, especially for somebody like Shake Milton, because Tyrese Maxey goes out. James Harden goes out. Shake hasn't been getting minutes this season. Shake's maybe deserved it. His role has been inconsistent. You could say a lot of different things for the reason that he hasn't been out there. Um... But he's been ramping it up the past couple of weeks, and he gets a chance here. And, and we think we think without Tyrese and without James, we're done. We're going to lose 15 straight games until they come back. So Shake Milton just being in an NBA game with Joel Embiid and, and, and putting up 20 shot attempts tells me that he's going out there and saying, this team needs me, and I know this team needs me. And I'm going to deliver for this team. So it's not just making shots. It's not just shot percentage. It's shot attempts. Having the confidence, knowing that this team needs you, knowing that you're probably 
with Joel coming just coming back from injury, you might technically be the number one scoring option on his team right now, and he knew that. So I respect Shake Milton for that. You know what I mean? Tobias Harris, another super efficient game. 10 for 18 from the field, 3 for 7 from 3, 24 points, 10 rebounds. I always look at rebounds with Tobias Harris. There's a lot of games in his career. He's six foot eight. There's a lot of games in his career where you get two, you get three rebounds, and I don't like that. I, th- I feel like that that rebound stat always exemplifies your your effort level. I feel like if you're six eight and athletic like Tobias Harris is, and he finishes with th- three four rebounds, and he just wasn't being aggressive enough. Period throughout the game. And I didn't I didn't look at the exact stats of some of the other games that I missed a couple of days ago, Wednesday, and then Saturday. I think. Uh, but 10 rebounds in this game tells me that, that that Tobias Harris was being active, was being aggressive. I feel like he's getting more arc on his jump shot, too. Is that a thing? Am I the only one that feels that way about Tobias Harris right now? I feel like he's getting more arc on the, on the three-pointer. I feel like he's releasing it higher and, and, and getting better arc on the ball. Am I the only one noticing that? He's really confident shooting a three lately. This whole season, really, trying to be that stretch four, trying to fit in, you know, next to uh next to James Harden, next to Joel and B, next to everybody, trying to be that player that the Sixers need to fit. Hey, man, thank you for joining the no fraud zone. I appreciate that. Um yeah, I think Tobias has been doing great this whole season in in trying to play that role. But then when Maxi and Harden go out and Embiid goes out for four games, Tobias really took on more of a scoring load and uh, started to get back to, you know, his L.A. Clipper kind of days, his Detroit Pistons kind of days, where he got a lot of buckets in the paint. He 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 fished out. He searched out a lot of mismatches. You know, pinpointed certain players to get switches. Backing down point guards, things like that. Turnaround jumpers, turnaround hook shot, little floaters in the lane. Tobias has been huge lately. Does that mean we should not trade Tobias Harris? Absolutely not. That is not what that means. You should absolutely trade Tobias Harris. You should trade Tobias Harris pretty much right now. Because I don't think Tobias Harris's trade value has been this high since he's been in a Sixers uniform. And the reason you should trade Tobias Harris is because you you can't have you under you got you you have to the people that come at me saying I'm wrong about this, you have to understand fit on a basketball team. There's Tyrese Maxey, there's James Harden, there's Joel Embiid. You simply cannot have this version of Tobias Harris when all of those guys are healthy. You can't. He's not going to get in the lane so much. He's not going to fish out mismatches and isos. This version of Tobias Harris is a version that another team could possibly take advantage of. We're only getting this version of Tobias Harris because those guys aren't here. I'm just saying, when Tyrese, James, and Joel are fully healthy, Tobias Harris might be good enough to put up 24 points in an NBA game, but you're not going to get that from him with those three guys on the floor. Unless Doc Rivers gets real creative. Unless Doc Rivers gets real creative with some staggering. Which, when has Doc Rivers been real creative? I'm just saying, Daryl. Think about trading Tobias Harris, man. Just think about it. His value is very high right now. 
Um, speaking of Doc trying to lose this game by by not playing Matisse Thibel there at the end, I, I have what might be a bold statement, but I uh, but I think it's I think it's really obvious right now. I think this is really obvious right now. PJ Tucker. Okay, there's no way that you can tell me that PJ Tucker is giving you more than Matisse Thibel is giving you right now. And I know I went this whole summer saying you need to trade Matisse Thibel, and I thought you needed to trade Matisse Thibel because I thought he had trade value because he's an amazing defender. I just didn't really think he had any damn offense whatsoever. I've been seeing more offensive, a little bit more of a bag, more offensive skill. I've been seeing a little bit more from Matisse Thibel on the offensive end than I've seen from him in his short career so far. I'm seeing a little bit more confidence when he catches the ball on the offensive side. He's not hesitating to shoot when he's wide open from three. And tonight you saw him catch the ball, shot clock running down, pump fake, drive with the left, and finish with the left-handed floater off the glass. So somebody needs to explain to me, because Matisse Thibel's defense blows P.J. Tucker out of the water. We're not even going to go there, and P.J.'s a good defender for his size. Still at 37 years old. But Matisse Thibel is so good defensively on the perimeter. Nobody can tell me that P.J. Tucker right now is giving you more than Matisse Thibel. So why in this game... When you watched the Sixers be down 16 points in the second quarter, you put Matisse Thibel in the game, you watched all of the energy change, you watched Trey Young's confidence go out the window, the whole game changed, and the Sixers ended the half on a 15-4 run with Matisse Thibel in the game, and it doesn't show up in the box score, but it's just the pressure he puts on ball handlers on the perimeter. So why, when you watched him change the game right there, and you've seen P.J. Tucker do basically nothing for how many games in a row now? Why would we go with P.J. Tucker down the stretch in this game? I don't understand. Those are the little things that I just don't understand. And the only thing I can think of is Doc Rivers is just going to play the more experienced player in the game no matter what you do. I just don't get it recently. I, don't. I think you got to end the game with Matisse Thibel right there. I really do. I might be crazy for saying that. I might be crazy for saying that. I just think Thibel, P.J. Tucker's defense, Thibel wins by a mile. Thibel, P.J. Tucker's offense, it might just be even. They might be equally bad offensively, but you're getting way more athleticism and defense from the other guy. That's all I'm saying. Um. Um. Anthony Melton was three for 12, two for eight from three, uh, five assists, two steals, a minus 12. And, you know, they said this when we traded for him. Uh, he's inconsistent, and he is. He's a bench player. Let's call it what it is. I'm, I'm shocked that, that, that Shake Milton has been as consistent as he is, as he has been the past four or five games, because I see him as a bench player also. Shake Milton's kind of showing us all, hey, I'm I might be a starter on a on a certain team, you know. 
Anthony Melton's kind of showing us, hey, I can give you a lot one game, and some games I'm kind of just going to, you know, not give you a whole lot. So inconsistent is a good word for him, but again, he's a bench player. He's 24 years old. He's a sixth man. I think he's a great player. I don't think his role is starting on, on maybe on other, on, on certain NBA teams, maybe on some NBA teams, but this team, obviously, I don't think the Anthony Melton should be a starter. As somebody said something crazy the other day about bench maxi start Melton. I don't know. You guys have been talking about all kinds of crazy shit ever since we beat the Orlando Magic back-to-back. You've been saying the wildest stuff I've ever heard in my life, and I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. You, you don't even beat Maxi Harden. You win a couple games in a row. You beat the Magic by 30. I mean, that is a G League team. That's what it is. Let's call it what it is. They got a rookie and nobody else. Who else is out there? Who else is out there? 40-year-old Terrence Ross? Nobody. So the internet goes crazy when we win a couple games against Orlando Magic talking about trade and bead, bench Maxi, all this nonsense. You saw today why that doesn't last very long. You play a, uh, against a team who is quite obviously way better than the Orlando Magic. And you need Joel Embiid. You absolutely need Joel Embiid to win the game. You need 21 from Shake Milton. You need 24 from Tobias Harris. Nobody else on the Sixers team was in double figures. Those three players combined for 75 points. Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and Shake Milton. Goose egg from P.J. Tucker. We're getting used to that. Nine from DeAnthony Melton. A bad game for him. Two from Furkan Korkmaz. What do you say? It's Furkan Korkmaz. He's only playing because of injuries. Three points from Daniel House Jr. <laughs> I guess you're out of options, but he was playing a lot in the beginning of the season. Doc likes him because he's almost 30 years old. Paul Reed. I liked what he did in this game. Got a couple cheap fouls called, but the hustle is just undeniable from Paul Reed. Um, he had three offensive rebounds. He had a couple of momentum-changing plays. Uh, crazy play in the fourth quarter. Paul Reed loses it along the baseline. Uh, DeAnthony Melton gets it back. No time on the shot clock. Kicks it to Tobias Harris for a buzzer beater. All started with Paul Reed, even though he lost the ball. Just Paul's energy, man. Feel like he changes the game. That he doesn't get enough credit for it. Um, he did hit a fadeaway jumper in the first half. A turnaround post jumper from Paul Reed. And I thought, man, Paul Reed might be getting a bag here. Paul Reed might be adding to his game offensively. Paul Reed might be might be learning how to play basketball on the offensive side. And then like two plays later, he got a 101 against Capella, hesitated, didn't know what to do at all, and just ran straight into him for an offensive foul. <laughs> so I digress. I don't know if Paul Reed is is learning how to play basketball on the offensive side. But I do think Doc is accepting the fact that his energy and his rebounding is very much needed on this team. Very much needed. You know, Trez can give you offense. Uh, Montrez is is a is good around the rim. Montrez has presence around the rim, has some post moves. But, you know, he just gets smoked defensively against centers when he gets matched up against them. And 
it just doesn't give you the energy defensively and the and the rebounding and everything that Paul Reed gives you. So I guess Doc is is accepting it that Paul Reed is a is a backup center. Am I right about that? I don't. Know. George Niang, eighteen minutes, three for seven from the field. Uh, all of them were three point attempts, by the way. Nine points, three threes in the game. Um, bang, bang, George Niang, as Kate Scott just absolutely will not stop saying. Uh, but, you know, I, I noticed that Matisse Thibel thing, and I didn't know if other people were going to say it, you know, because, again, it doesn't show up in the box score necessarily. It does show up on the plus-minus. The highest plus-minus on the team was Matisse Thibel with a plus 12. The crazy part about that plus 12 is that Matisse Thibel only played seven minutes in the game. He played seven minutes in this game, and he was a plus 12. So, I don't know. Maybe Doc doesn't play him anymore. Maybe Doc continues to go with P.J. Tucker at the end of the game. Joel Embiid carried this one. Without Joel, we lose this game. Period. We held Trey Young to 18 points. He was 6 for 14 from the field. He was 1 for 4 from 3. Um, I don't know, man. I never know about Trey Young. He's a great ball handler. He's a great passer. He has great vision. He's one of the best alley-oop tossers, I guess you could say, in the game. But once he gets pressured on the perimeter, I just don't think he's that good. Am I crazy for saying this? Am I crazy for saying Trey Young is a little overrated? He's not a very good three-point shooter. Low 30%. Still shoots the ball from 45 feet away. For what reason, I don't know. Uh, he may, he'll hit one of those once in a while, but it's really a it's really a Walmart Steph Curry man. And I think Trey still tries to get by by baiting officials, you know, dribbling in front of someone and jumping backwards. He got one of those calls earlier in the game. The, the go around the pick and roll, feel the defender behind you, stop on a dime and jump backwards. And they gave him the call. Thought the NBA implemented a rule because of Trey Young. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people are calling it the Trey Young rule. These officials did not hear about that rule. And they gave Trey Young that call. And they gave him another one along the baseline. They gave him one like tw- like 10 seconds into the game. A touch foul on Shake Milton. I think he's a little bit overrated. DeJounte Murray, um, you know, they've looked great together against a lot of teams this season. I just, I always thought it was going to be a, an awkward fit. Trying to play two point guards, trying to play two ball handlers, two pick and roll point guards. Um, 
I wouldn't be shocked if DeJounte Murray ends up a little bit unhappy in this situation. Having to play along another ball-dominant guard. Because if I was DeJounte Murray and I'm getting out of San Antonio, I'd kind of want to be on a team where I'm the point guard. I am the point guard, you know? That's interesting. I'm just looking at the uh, Atlanta Hawks box score and kind of give my general thoughts on things. Uh, John Collins, look. (laughs) I know you guys said that I was crazy for saying I would trade Tobias Harris for John Collins. The only reason I'm saying it is because of fit, and I'm going to say it again. And even in this game, John Collins didn't put up 24 like Tobias Harris did. But it, but when you're talking when you're talking about fit next to James Harden, you always got to think about our healthy roster. When you're talking about fit next to Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and Joel Embiid, I would rather my power forward be an athletic rebounding shot blocker who can kind of stretch the floor than somebody like Tobias Harris who needs the ball in his hands and is more of a scorer and not so much a defender or a rebounder. That's all I'm saying. John Collins in this game. 13 points, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks. I'm not saying he's better than Tobias Harris. He's not a better basketball player than Tobias Harris. I just think he would fit more perfectly on this Sixers team when healthy than Tobias Harris does. That's the only reason I say that. Now, John Collins gets a wide-open dunk in the first quarter where Joel Embiid kind of moves out of the way. All right, and I think I'm going to break this play down because George Niang got involved in it. George Niang wanted the smoke again because George Niang is just a dog. George Niang is just amazing. Joel lets him have a wide-open dunk. I'm thinking, hey, I'm thinking Atlanta fans are probably going to say that was a poster. Atlanta fans are probably saying, oh, look, Joel Embiid moved out of the way when John Collins came down. Because for those that don't know, last year in the playoffs, was it last year? Maybe two years ago. Two years ago in the playoffs, uh, when we lost that series to the Atlanta Hawks, John Collins caught a poster alley-oop over Joel Embiid. uh, And he put the photo on a t-shirt and he wore it to the press conference the next day. And I thought that was insanely whack and corny because he had him in a headlock literally in the photo. He was fouling Joel Embiid in the photo. So Joel lets him have a wide open dunk in the first quarter because Joel just got back from injury. He's chilling. He's kind of jogging around getting some shots up. He's not He's not too really into it yet. Somebody must have said something. Second half of the game, John Collins gets on a fast break and beats behind him. Collins hesitates, looks behind him a little bit. He thinks, like, is Joel going to try to block this? He's gonna, what is he going to do? Collins goes up a little bit soft, and my goodness, Joel Embiid was not having it. Joel Embiid wanted no parts of John Collins doing a layup in front of him. And honestly, when you look at the play, he got his hand on the ball. There was some contact before it, but they could have let that call go if they really wanted to. Joel wanted no parts of John Collins putting up a layup in front of him. You could tell there was some animosity. You could tell there was some history behind 
what Joel Embiid did on that play. And Joel went harder for that block right there than maybe I've seen him go this entire season. He's had some amazing blocks this entire season so far. But it was John Collins who postered him, put the photo on a t-shirt, wore it in a press conference, and then he let him have one in the first half, and he said, nah, not this time. Not this time. And Joel went full Superman on him. Full contact. It, it was a foul. Hand on the shoulder, shoved him out of bounds, blocked the shot, screamed at him. Collins got up angry. They cut to commercial right away or a replay or something. We missed. Kate said, Kate said, George Niang had words with John Collins. They both got a technical foul. I didn't get to look at what happened yet. I hope somebody has it. Phone footage or something on Twitter. Joel wanted no parts of John Collins putting up a layup in front of him. And he bodied the hell out of him. And then, of course, George Niang's the one that steps up and gets a technical foul. I love it. I can't wait to rewatch it. And we're going to do a breakdown of it. Because, look, I did a breakdown the other day of George Niang talking trash to Ben Simmons and and uh, Kevin Durant. That was so much fun for me because it's fun watching George Niang do things like that. It's entertaining as hell. The video did 15,000 views on YouTube. So I might as well do it again. And if if I get to c- continue to use George Niang for these breakdown videos, <laughs> then I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, Yeah. What else we got to talk about, man? Sixers win, man. Sixers win. On the on the second game of a back-to-back, the Sixers win. Joel Embiid saves the day. Joel Embiid has an MVP performance. Uh, Tobias Harris has been balling. Uh, Shake Milton has been balling. I'm very, very interested to see what happens when we start to get our starters back. I'm interested to see the rotations. I'm interested to see who gets minutes, who doesn't. Here's something I definitely think should happen when the Sixers get their starters back. I think the starters shouldn't be playing 40 minutes a game. I definitely think that. Is this bench actually the worst bench in the NBA, or is it the coach? Let me know in the chat right now. Is this bench the worst bench in the NBA, or was it the coach the whole time? Doc Rivers started out this season pretty much using an eight-man playoff rotation. For what reason? We have no clue. You got games where Joel Embiid played 40 minutes in the beginning of the game, in the beginning of the season. When Joel went the whole offseason with plantar fasciitis that apparently Doc knew about and we didn't know about. So he starts the season out with an eight-man playoff rotation, playing Joel 40 minutes in a game, playing James 40 minutes in a game, playing PJ 40 minutes in a game, playing Tyrese. We know Tyrese is young, but playing him 40 minutes in a game. What are the odds Doc started the season like that and the whole damn team gets injured? Don't you think maybe you should ease into an NBA season, Doc? Don't you think maybe you should ease into it, especially with James putting all the work that he did to get into shape this past offseason? Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. You already know it's going to take him 20 games to get into basketball shape because he just rests, rehabs, ices his ankles and knees the whole offseason. Don't you think you should start the season a little slow? 
maybe play the starters high 20s, early 30 minutes, 28, 29, 30, and try to rely a little bit more on your bench in the beginning of the season, and maybe you find something, a diamond in the rough, or maybe you realize some of these guys can actually perform. But now he starts the season with an eight-man rotation. Playing guys like Joel Embiid coming off of an offseason where he told us he sat on the couch, and it turned out he actually sat on the couch the whole summer. Playing him 40 minutes, playing James 40 minutes, playing that, and the whole team's injured. Then he's forced to use the bench. And it turns out, oh, look. Oh, look, Shake Milton can actually ball. Shake Milton can actually ball. When put in the right positions, with the right players on the floor, and given an opportunity and given minutes, he can actually ball. It turns out, oh, look, Paul Reed can actually defend, can actually get rebounds, can actually play back up center. Even a couple games where we saw DeAnthony Melton drop 20-plus. We saw Furkan Korkmaz the other day make some Magic Johnson type of plays. I don't know. I've never seen a player be a superstar and a bum at the same time. And if I see one more Furkan Korkmaz behind-the-back pass that goes nowhere, I'm going to scream. <laughs> But I'm just saying, like, when, when the starters come back, I would really like to see Doc Rivers continue to give opportunities to guys like Shake Milton. Of course, he's not going to get 40 minutes in a game. But Montrez Harrell should not be the first one off the bench. I'm sorry. George Niang should not be the first one off the bench when the starters are back. It should be Shake Milton and DeAnthony Melton. That's what I think. I still think T. Stiebel should play over P.J. Tucker, but they paid him. They gave him three years, $30 million. He's looked absolutely washed now for five games. Hopefully he gets it back. Maybe at his age, 37, maybe it takes him till the second half of the season to really look like he's in playoff mode. We'll see, man. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Uh, but it, it is Glenn Rivers. And look, I know this is going to be bleak, but I said coming into this season, we had a couple months off. We forgot how crazy Doc Rivers is. He's going to remind you very quickly, and he reminded us very quickly. I mean, a fully healthy Sixers team getting beat up by the San Antonio Spurs was was all the reminder we needed. So when the starters come back, don't be surprised if Doc Rivers does some things with these lineups that piss you right off. It wouldn't shock me. That's all I'm saying. George Ross, what's up, man? Uh, George Ross says this bench could actually win 45 games in this league. Doc Rivers is clueless. And on top of that, the fact that people said the bench was so bad was the reason Doc kept his job for this season. <laughs> The bench being bad could be Doc Rivers' fault and actually turns out to be the reason he keeps his job. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that, man. Uh, Sixers getting injured was a blessing in disguise for our bench. 
it upped the it upped the uh the confidence level for the bench guys. It gave the bench guys minutes and you know, let them uh get some run on the floor and get into basketball rhythm and things like that. Calvin Cambridge, unpopular opinion, but I don't care what PJ does in the regular season. We got him for tough moments in the playoffs. He won't be afraid like Matisse can be sometimes. I like that, Calvin. I like that. And I think, you know, you could turn out to be right about that. You know, we saw we saw Matisse uh in a Toronto Raptors series last playoffs. Um and yeah, he looked scared, timid. Didn't want to shoot it at all. Uh, And once the Raptors realized that, they were out for blood. They completely left him alone. They didn't even guard him. They didn't even look at him. And then he was shooting air balls. Uh, So, you know, if Doc makes a mistake, call him out on it. But the whole dragging Doc for no reason is lame as hell. (sighs) I explained to you exactly what Doc Rivers did in this game that would have lost us the game, but Joel Embiid said, I got this. And no, 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 just no. Because we hired Doc Rivers. We thought he was going to bring some accountability to a team that had none after Brett Brown. And he came in here and defended the biggest baby Fraud, bum, bust of all time, Ben Simmons. He came in here and defended that baby. Baby the baby. The opposite of what we wanted him to do. The opposite of why he was hired for an entire year. Argued with the media. Put down the media. All the time. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. You guys just need to appreciate Ben Simmons, you know? I just don't think you really appreciate what he does. He doesn't have to score. That backfired more than anything could ever backfire. And Ben is the one that quits. And Doc has to admit at the end of the at the end of the season, Doc has to admit after that game that he was wrong about Ben Simmons, that everybody else was right. And then guess what? Last season, in the playoffs, Paul Reed has some incredible performances against an athletic Toronto Raptors team. When you need defense and rebounding and effort and energy, Paul Reed had some amazing games. And when it came down to it, he would play DeAndre Jordan. This is a guy that put Paul Millsap on Giannis Antetokounmpo for eight straight minutes and gave up 17 straight points. Do you realize this? This is a guy who gave up on a 6'10", 250-pound Charles Bassey when you don't have a backup center. This is a guy that got rid of Isaiah Joe. Wouldn't play him at all. When you need three-point shooters, when you need sparks off the bench, Isaiah Joe the other night scored 21 points in 21 minutes. He just set a franchise record for hitting nine straight three-pointers. A player that Doc Rivers would never put on the floor. Are you kidding me, Dominic Brown? Are you actually joking? I will drag Doc Rivers 
until the day he is fired. I will drag Doc Rivers every single day until he is fired. The Sixers are never going to win with Doc Rivers. He will always be an enigma. He will always be the thorn in your side. He will always come back to haunt you. He doesn't have four Hall of Famers and a deep bench like he had in 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 Boston. You're going to see. I know the Sixers beat the Orlando Magic. And now Joel Embiid carried them over the Atlanta Hawks, and it was a great win. But you're letting that blind you. You're going to see very soon. Unreal. (laughs) It's Doc Rivers we're talking about, bro. Come on, man. Anyway. uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. I can't lie. Those Raptors were going to eat Paul Reed alive. Bro, go look at the box scores. We won the playoff series, and Paul Reed played every single backup center minute. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. What are you talking about? He played Paul Reed at backup center. Every single backup center minute, he played Paul Reed in that Toronto series. It's the reason we won the damn series. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? I can't be sitting up here reading comments from people that didn't even watch the damn team last year. (laughs) All right. I got to get out of here. I love you all. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, Catch me on Twitter after this. And a real royal follows that up with Paul Reed is good, so tell me his stats last season. Watch games, bro. Watch games. Watch games. You just admitted to me that you didn't even know Paul Reed played in the Toronto series. How are we having this conversation? Watch games, bro. Stop watching the box score. Watch games. That's my advice. Quit testing me. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Test me, test me, test me, test me, test me.